Good evening, everyone. Today is February 14th, 2022, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is step seven into action, and our speaker tonight is Pete. Take it away, Pete. Thank you. Appreciate that, Michelle. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. I've been recovered since uh, August of 2017. And uh, most importantly, by God's grace and mercy, I didn't find it necessary to compulsively overeat today. Uh, just, uh, just for a point of uh, reference, I have one contact lens in my right eye. So if I'm reading something from the screen and I wink, I'm not trying to get you know, funny with anybody. It's just, I'm just trying to read something. So don't look into it too much. I'm just want to just let everybody know that, that that's what's going on. Yeah. So uh, 20 minutes to talk about one paragraph in the big book. So pretty, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I think I, I, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to elaborate. You know, it's so funny whenever, whenever I have the opportunity um, to, uh, to talk at these meetings, you know, it's always, it's always a long time out. And I, you know, I start envisioning like, you know, this Ted talk, right. I'm going to get stuff up on my screen and the reference material. I'll just, I'll just real quick, just for a point of reference, I will uh, share uh, some photos uh, real quick. That's me in uh, fifth grade. Uh, that's me when I, uh, uh, when I, when I returned to Overeaters Anonymous, that's me after a year in Overeaters Anonymous, that's me after two years in Overeaters Anonymous, I don't even know when this one's from, but and I'm, I'm thinking you can see that, but, uh, you know, I didn't come in here um, uh, morbidly obese, I came here uh, incomprehensibly demoralized by food, by, by um, countless vain attempts at trying to do something about compulsive, compulsively overeating, and the way that I was, the way that I was using substances, um, because I was using substances. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, turning to food because I had a buildup of human emotions. I wasn't turning to food because I didn't have any money, or I had too much money, or I nobody loved me, or too many people loved me. I was turning to food because it gave me ease and comfort, just like it gives everybody ease and comfort. By design, it gave me ease and comfort. And I was using food that I, that I knew caused an abnormal reaction, that once I ate them, I couldn't stop eating them. And I had this, this um, insanity of thinking that somehow, some way, I was going to figure out a way how to use the substances safely. Somehow I was going to figure it out, right? I, I, the delusion that I was like other people wasn't smashed, right? I thought like if, if this person can, can get that personal trainer and follow that program, then I can do that. And then I can return to recreationally eating ice cream. If that person can adopt this particular thing, then I should be able to do that. After all, look at all my accomplishments. Look at all these things I did to demonstrate my capabilities, my, you know, like just, just, how, just how I can overcome all of these things and succeed. And unfortunately, 
you know, this little, you know, this little, you know, substance that I considered or this like this little problem that I considered for a long time to be like some kind of minor inconvenience or little sister to my drug and alcohol use turned out to be the problem that nearly drove me to my knees, right? Just just nearly drove me to my knees. And I can imagine, you know, like, you know, uh, most of you, if you're here tonight, you either suspect that you're a compulsive overeater or you know you're a compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure. And, you know, I, was, I wasn't sure because I never understood the significance of the condition. I never took it as seriously as the condition needed to be taken. You know why? Because I never picked up a jar of roasted salted mixed nuts, ate them, and then, you know, ran out and then decided to rob somebody to get more. You know what I mean? I never went to Dunkin' Donuts, ate a donut, and my head exploded. You know, like that never happened, right? What happened was I ingested a substance saying I was only going to have one. And then for some strange reason, I changed my mind and I had 12. And then I followed that up with another pint of something else, right? Like, you know, that, that's what happened. And, you know, you hear people talk about like, I have a disease that wants me dead and it's a walking, talking. It's all, it's not. My disease wants me alive, shoving shit in my system, incomprehensibly demoralized, hoping upon hope that somehow, some way, somebody's going to come in and save me. Or somehow, some way, I'm going to figure this shit out and I'm going to come up with the right solution, right? The right amount of OA, a little bit of God, my experience in AA, and I'm going to live happy, joyous, and free. And you know what? Like, it, it, like the peace and mind and serenity that I was, that I was, uh, um, that I was seeking in Alcoholics Anonymous constantly eluded me because I could never get myself free of the merciless obsession from these substances that, like I said, uh, you know, incomprehensibly demoralized me. You know, I believe, I believe, and it's been my experience, you know, I, I, I got sober in 1997. I had a, I had a spiritual experience sufficient to overcome alcoholism by working the 12 step recovery program. I became a, a student of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the AA 12 and 12, conducted big book studies, had friends over, everybody I knew was in AA. They used to get tattoos of different, you know, different paragraphs on their arm. You know, the whole nine, just the whole, the whole thing, right? Like, I, you know, I, I kept on thinking, like, if I'm doing so good, I'm doing so good in this AA stuff, why do I feel so bad? Why do I constantly return to these substances that make me look and feel the way I felt when I drank, incomprehensibly demoralized? Like I knew, like, I, like you know, I was, I, I, was, I was getting guidance and direction from the God of my understanding where it's supposed to come from about being and conducting myself in, a way, in certain ways. Yet, because I was using these substances and I was constantly led around by the phenomenon of craving, I was unable to put those, put the guidance into practice. And it led, it led to a super, super frustrating existence, right? I'm going to get on to step seven in a minute. I've only gone seven minutes so far. So, so, so just so you know, so, so, um, you know, 
I dabbled in Overeaters Anonymous. At one point in time, I was about five or six years sober thinking, you know, Bill Wilson and I were long soulmates, you know, walking around. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm binge eating because I don't smoke anymore, right? And I'm binge eating because I don't drink anymore. And I'm, you know, I'm binge eating when I'm happy. I'm binge eating when I'm sad. There was no, nothing, nothing, nothing catapulted me into binge eating. Binge eating catapulted me into binge eating. You know, I would binge or sometimes I would, you know, I would starve or whatever. And, I, you know, at one point in time, I finally, you know, I finally, you know, got myself in a situation. I said, let me try this OA for a minute. Right. And I, I joined the OA. I joined OA and um, I got myself a, a diet buddy um, who I called my sponsor. Right. He also, you know, practiced being a financial advisor, relationship counselor, dad, mom, sister and brother, the whole nine yards, because I put him in that position. And, you know, I, you know, I'd, I'd be abstinent for six days and I'd eat like a, you know, like a, like a, like a college freshman one day. And then I'd come back on the, you know, the, the eighth day and everybody would say, welcome back. And, you know, when you're 35, can you do that for, you know, for a year, you still get skinny and handsome and, you know, you know, and, 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 and popular and all those things. I'm thinking I got to sit licked, you know. No big deal, right? I got down to the weight I always wanted to be. I wore the clothes I always wanted to wear, you know, and it's pretty good. And, you know, little by little, over the course of the next 15 years, all that weight I lost and all that misery, I, I, the misery was never, the misery never stopped. I thought it did, but it never stopped. And I gained all that weight back. So lo and behold, I find myself, uh, you know, dabbling, dabbling in uh, 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 online Overeaters Anonymous meetings. And I joined the meet. I, I I listened to a meeting one time because it because it fit into the times that I can go to meetings. I heard people talk about this idea of being entirely abstinent. This idea about being, you know, decades without eating a Snickers bar or a cupcake. And I said, you know, that sounds attractive to me. Like I, 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 I the idea at the time of thinking about going ninety minutes without a Hershey bar was really was was, was you know it was it was I had this I had this physical thing going on inside me. You know, so uh, so when I heard people were doing that, I decided that I would jump in, right? And 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 uh, yeah, decided over the course of about eighteen months, I decided. You know, it was like night and day, right? Yeah, and and I and I found somebody that uh, that 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 I asked for help and some guidance, and you know, I met somebody who was who was uh, who was also sober and Alcoholics Anonymous, who was who was recovered in Overeaters Anonymous, who was familiar with the literature, shared it in multiple languages. Nothing like me, nothing like me, not the same color, not the same race, not the same gender, not the same anything, which was all fine with me because I was interested in finding out that this thing didn't work, not as much as I was finding out it did work. And so when I asked this person for guidance and I stepped in, I said, you know, she, she, she started telling me, you know, she, she told me about, you know, this idea of entire abstinence. And that was the, that was what eluded me for, you know, my entire existence. I never I've never I was never, ever free of this merciless obsession. You know, when you stop drinking, I think it's 24 to 72 hours after you stop drinking. That stuff is out of your system. Right. You're not being led around by the intense desire to drink. Now it's emotional. It's mental. It's all these things that are saying you made too big a deal. You're going to drink. Right. Not with food. Not in my experience with food. Like I was being I was being, you know, tugged and pulled around by the phenomenon of craving for weeks after I put down the, my last bite for weeks. You know, it was it was a long time. 
And I had to go through an intense period of uh, uh, detoxification in order for that, for that, that obsession to leave. And I made a decision that I was going to do anything that I had to do to not seek the first fatal bite. I was going to call any of you people. I was going to go to as many meetings that I have to. I was going to lock myself up in my room with cardboard and styrofoam. If that's all there was that was going to keep me from getting the merciful obsession, I was going to do it. I willed it. I willed it. Right. And I said, I had a mantra. I said, there's nothing in this world that's more expensive or more inconvenient than compulsively overeating. So no matter what happens, what appointment I have to break or what I have to do, I will not eat any of these substances that I identified as being uh, uh, alcoholic to me. That worked for me. That worked for me. Like that, you know, slowly but surely that the, the obsession removed, you know? And I'll tell you, I, 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 wanted to, I, I got to, that, to here because I wanted to share this. I've heard on many occasions, people share this idea that my, tr my credits won't transfer from Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't, I don't find it any, written in any literature, but, but that is not my experience. My experience is my credits did transfer from Alcoholics Anonymous. I had a, I had a relationship with a God of my understanding and un, that loves me unconditionally, right? Loves me if I'm fat or skinny, drunk or high, Selfish, self-centered, the love is unconditional, all-inclusive, never exclusive, right? I knew I was walking hand-in-hand in, hand in the sunlight of the spirit. The only problem was I was being blocked from having the relationship necessary to function and live the way I wanted to function and live because I kept on ingesting these substances that kept me from from be, from being free of the obsession, right? Like it just I, I just kept on ingesting those substances, right? So like I had a relationship with God. You know, when 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 we did the first step, when I conceded to my innermost self that I was a compulsive overeater and the delusion that I was like other people was smashed, which was the first step, not this, not step one, right? I did the second step with my sponsor. She took me to We Agnostic. We read one paragraph. Do I believe or am I willing to believe that there's a power greater in myself? That was step two, the second conversation. Step three was, do you want to turn your life and will over the care of this God? I said, I've been doing that. I've been doing that for, I've been doing that. No problem. When just before I took my third step, my sponsor said to me, you know what? You're going to have to, you, you know, you're going to have to make a decision. When you turn your life and will over care of God, you are going to have to merge your AA recovery with your OA recovery. And if I go and eat from this point forward, I can no longer consider myself a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous because I'm ingesting substances that cause the phenomenon of craving, which is not abstinence. And it was a deep and heavy proposition and one that I took reluctantly. Uh, um, and, and I'm grateful that I did because it, it, it actually indicated to me that I needed to take this disease as serious as, as serious as I need to take it. So I did my fourth step and I did, uh, you know, a fifth step. And, you know, I started I, 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 from my fifth step. I had I had a, a, a list of my defects of character. It was the same list I had from the other 404 steps I did before. Right. They, 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 you know, I've had these defects of my character and, you know, it, it, it was kind of it was it was, it was it, I had to, I had to really think back to my, my to, to my drinking. Right. Like I thought to myself, how is God going to make me like if I walk next to a car 
and I see a window open in the car and there's a wallet with money in it sticking there. How is God going to keep me from not reaching in and grabbing that wallet? Right. Because me, I'm thinking that's my lucky day. Lucky day today. Right. Look what God put in my life. Somebody else's money. You know what I mean? I can manipulate anything. How's God going to do that? And I thought back to my experience with alcohol. I was, I was, I was beat up, destitute, mentally destitute. And I asked the God of my understanding to remove the merciless obsession to drink. Now, God didn't remove my ability to drink. God removed my obsession to drink. And in, uh, and in my experience with the sticks, the sixth step, I came to understand God's not, God's not going to remove my thought of taking that wallet, my, you know, my, my, my thinking about taking that wallet. He's going to remove, he's going to, he's going to take away my obsession and my, and my, and, and my, he, he's going to make it so, make it so that I know I don't need to take somebody, something that's not mine, right? Green, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the other aspects of self. What I recognize is that my defects of character are my character. Everything that's in me has been put in me by the creator. The problem is, is that my disease, my condition, that my insistence on more of everything just made all of those instincts given me to by the creator become out of proportion and did not allow me to act uh, with humility. And my favorite, my favorite definition of humility, a lot of this stuff I get out of the AA 12 and 12, my favorite. Yes. Three minutes. Thank you. My favorite definition of humility is um, what is it? Another great dividend we may expect from, from confiding our defects to another human being is humility, a word often misunderstood. To those who have made progress in AA, it amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. You know, there's a lot of acknowledgement of what we are, of what we are, right? And I think there needs to be as much persistence and pursuit of what we could be, right? Because every one of us has an opportunity to be a demonstration of God's love, God's will, and God's way of life and the things that we do. And if we don't utilize the gifts, the resources, the talents, the capabilities given us to us by a creator, right? And if we're, if we're left, you know, you know, humiliated. And, you know, stuck in this, you know, almost this almost, uh, you know, like sleepwalking through this thing, we'll never be that full expression of our God's love, our God's will and our God's way of life. And so like realizing, like, you know, humbly asking God to remove uh, our shortcomings, when ready, we say something like this, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Which means that I need to show up and be the best version of Pete that I think God would have me be on any given day, right? It says, take away the defects that God feels stands in the way of my usefulness to him. Not the, not what I feel stands in the way of my usefulness to me. So I don't act contrary. You know, it's not about a, a contrary behavior. I do the best I can with the information and guidance that I receive from prayer and meditation in my step 11. And I'd be the best, and I try to be the best that I could possibly be on any given day where I fall short. I make amends. 
right? And I move on and try to get better each and every day. Right. So to me, like that's that's the, the, the true sense of humility. What we're all trying to, you know, what, what we're all trying to accomplish with this thing. You know, humility isn't, you know, sitting in the corner and not and not being an expression of the God of my understanding or your understanding. You know, I always like to say the power of God is demonstrated through me and everything I do and everything I say in every single moment of every single day. We never know when somebody's going to be watching you. You never know when somebody's going to be trying to emulate what you do what you say, how you behave, how you carry yourself. So I owe it to my fellows who were so passionate about this message to have the same level of passion, the same, the, the same level of enthusiasm that was shown to me when I came through these doors because it was attractive and that's what I hope to be. And with that, I'll pass. That's 20, right? Thank you so much, Pete. Wonderful. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, would the timekeeper please set a reminder for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right, and with that, I will hand it over to Laura to call any of the names. Hi, everybody. I'm Laura T, Compulsive Overeater. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much, Pete. Okay, it looks like Honey's up first. Hi, Honey. Hi. Um, wow, Pete, thank you so much. I'm so glad I came and I heard your um, message and got so much out of it. And um, seeing that you've been in, in program a while, I do have some question. Um, when I talk to sometimes like in my outreach calls with newcomers, um, they sometimes tell me about their sponsors, that they feel they're too rigid or they expect too much of them. Um, and they just feel like there's so much demand on them for working program. And I struggle sometimes with like how to respond to that, like um, between going to any lengths and also like what people are actually like capable of doing, you know? Um, how do you, how, what kind of advice like in your experience can you do with like giving people experience trend and hope, but their sponsors want just like too much from them? So uh, that's a good question, and thank you for answering. You know, I'm a big look. We have we have a textbook that has the program of Alcoholics Anonymous in it. We have supporting information with the 12 and 12, which is the essays about the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and then we have a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, which are comprised of a group, a large, large group of really well-intentioned powerless people that are spirit or that are mentally ill, myself included. Okay. And I simply say to folks like that, just find where it says to do that in the big book. 
right? I don't know where it says that you need to do a quantity of this or so many of these or a history of this or a history of that. Those are all, those are all suggestions. Those are all recommendations and tools, probably good. You know, the book says we have one thing in common. That's once we start eating, we have an abnormal reaction to these substances or engage in the behavior, right? And, and, and all, all of the other things that we hear is the must we do. And, you know, like we don't have a program, you know what I mean? It's not a program. It, we, it, we turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understand God, right? If that means that, you know, I may, some days I may have to make 40 phone calls. Someday I might have to make none. It doesn't mean if I didn't make none, I didn't, I'm not following the program. Like those assignments, there's, I can't find any assignments in the book other than it says, you know, where it says to write my fourth step and to share my fifth step. You know, so that's just a long way of saying like, look, you know, if you could find supporting information in the literature about what to do, then do it. Right. And if it's not in there, it's a suggestion, follow it if it works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, you know, find your own way. I mean, we're not, these are not, um, that's it. Thank you. I saw a hand go up. Is that my timer? Is, Nan is Nancy the timer? Thanks, Pete. And thanks, Tommy, for that question. Um, okay, Michelle. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Michelle, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. I'm Pete, Michelle. I loved your share. And one of the things that just really hit me um, was you said, God, God chooses which character defects to remove, you know, and recently I've been in a, I've been on a, on a spree of finding all my character defects and writing them all down. And, you know, let's look at everything wrong with Michelle and making that my obsession, right? Like a character defect in itself. And I was, I'm so grateful for the reminder of God will remove these character defects so I can be most useful to him. It's not up to me. It's not about me running the show. Um, and I did have a question. Can you share a little bit of your experience of um, patients working through a character defect that you wanted removed, but it may not necessarily be God's time for you um, or any useful tips and tricks on that patience that I'm trying to work on. <laughs> yes, sir. Michelle, thanks. I always, I always careful about asking for patience. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows because you get something to be patient about. Right. But so, so the first thing that I, that I try to remember is that the defect is that the, it's the aspect of my character. What makes it defective is that's become out of proportion to the way it's supposed to be. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be eradicated. It's just going to become right-sized, right? And so what, 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 you know, the way that I, the way that I work with that is I start to look at the reason, the why I want to act in a certain way, the why I'm compelled to interrupt somebody when they're sharing, when I ask them their opinion, and when they share it back to me, I want to interrupt them to tell them they're wrong. When I, it's their opinion, they're entitled to it, right? So, so, I, so what, what, 
I, what I do is I try to reflect on and process in my mind, why am I doing what I'm doing? And it's usually because I want to demonstrate to somebody that I'm smarter than them or stronger than them or no, or whatever it is, you know, whatever ridiculousness it is, because it's ridiculousness, right? And I just want to find what's my motivation. And then when I understand what my motivation is, the, the book says, seven, the seven step says, the, the chief activator of all of my defects of character are self-centered fear, right? And then I said, well, if, if, if I'm safe and protected, there's no need to be fearful. Everything that's coming to me is coming to me in God's time. Everything that's coming out of me is coming out of me in God's time. I just need to show up and do the best I can, listen, and when I fall short, make amends, make up for it, and move on and try to do better on the next occasion. So a lot of it has to do with why, like what's, what's my motivation. And then when I get down to that, I realize that it's usually self-centered fear in some capacity, fear I'm going to not get what I want, fear I'm going to get what I deserve, so forth and so on. So I hope that that's helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Carmela D. Hi, everyone. I'm Carmela. Thank you so much, Pete, for your lead. Um, I'm just basically raising my hand because it's the only day of the three days that I can be on camera. Um, and um, yeah, I felt like, um, Pete, that that was a really bold statement saying that um, I've never heard anybody say that the credits transfer. And I just thought that was kind of awesome. Um, and I guess I'll just share my experience with that is sort of yes and no, because um, I'm sober. 34 years, came into OA before I got sober, left OA, or didn't think I left OA, but I was basically abstinent for many, many years and then got back into, you know, stuff with food and came back to OA. And I have to say that, like, I tried to get abstinent, like in my other programs. Um, and so the connection with other compulsive overeaters, like that for me, that is like, the key difference between like trying to do it in another program. But what does carry over for me is the ability to work a program, knowing how to do 10 steps, knowing how to work, you know, like all the things that you were talking about. Um, so yeah, I don't know, that was interesting. And um, I guess regarding step seven, you know, I've been um, experiencing a lot of challenge recently, and I do a lot of 10 steps. And I think I've been feeling like, why am I, you know, feeling so miserable? I'm doing all my 10 steps, you know, that kind of old thing. And just realizing that like, I can't bypass certain life experiences. Sometimes like outside help is really important. Like I can't, I can't force the program to take care of certain things that maybe it can't take care of, or maybe it can take care of it to a certain point. And then I just need like other things. Um, and I've been struggling with a lot of stuff. Um, that is just life, you know, life stuff. It's life stuff. My son's on the autism spectrum. My, my husband's an anti-vaxxer. He doesn't, you know, there's a ton of shit that like, I don't talk about in meetings very much, but um, you know, I don't know what I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, I guess where I'm going with it is that like kind of what's been said, I can't force things to be removed that maybe like either don't need to be removed or it's just not time or it's just not this particular way. And um so I appreciate that. Like it's, you know, when it's time and, and higher power deciding. And um, anyway, that's all I got for today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Carmela. 
Bob L., do you have a share question? Um, I guess a little bit of both. My name is Bob, compulsive overeater, sugar addict, mainly sugar Hi, addict. Bob. Hello. Um, yeah, um, I also started off in the other program as well, too. Uh, my best thinking got me to the point where I was uh, 30 years sober and I was binging on so much sugar that my life had just become so unmanageable. Um, my old sponsor was, was at that point was begging for me to, to go back to um, OA, to come to OA, to find, to find a place where there was a group of people that fully understood me, that fully could help me. Um, I got abstinent in May of in May of 2020 as a result of, of Zoom meetings. Um, thank you very much for everybody who put Zoom meetings on. Um, my question is right, and I also believe fully too that the credits do transfer as well too. Um, I have found that out in my own um, in my own study habits, if you want to put it that way. What I learned in the other fellowship, I was a person that when I came here, um, I basically. I basically switched programs from the AA over to the OA 100% completely. I'm having a lot of suppressed anger and a lot of suppressed emotions are coming up now. Um, things that um, through prayer and meditation are still coming up. I've, I've done a four step on it. Um, I continue to work on myself. I continue to, I continue to trudge. Um, one of the things that I don't really hear too much talked about is outside help, and it talks about it. A, you know, it, you know it, you know it talks about it somewhere in the literature. I'm not exactly where it is, but I would like to know if you have any experience, if you have any strength and any hope on that. Um, if you could share a little bit about that, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Bob. Um, so, uh, so you know, just just to be super super clear just with regard to credit transferring or not transferring what i what what i meant by that was the information that i gathered relative to the, the the textbook and the practical application of it i was aware of it's not that complex of information it's not that it's not it, there is no magic to it it's not a treasure map it's a textbook with with effort and results right that they have, that they have in there my only issue the only issue is i never did it in entire abstinence Right. God, like I said, the higher power, from my understanding, doesn't care if I'm drunk or sober. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not getting rewarded, you know, by doing this thing. Right. But I never went through the program to have an effective spiritual experience sufficient to cope, overcome compulsive overeating because I never put the food down. Right. So that's what that, that that's what I mean by that. Right. Like I, I had a body of information. I had no way to apply it because I was always led around by the phenomenon of craving. And then, so with regard to outside help, I'm not sure if I'm a, if I, if like if it's if it's you know complying with traditions to talk about this. But what I will say is this: I believe that there are resources. I know for a fact from my own experience, there are resources out there. I've been to inner child workshops. I've been to twelve step based things. I've been to retreats. I've been to all of these different things. Go after it, man. Go after it like your life depends on it because it does. It ain't gonna hurt. You know what I mean? It's not going to set you back. The only thing that can make me eat is if I ingest the substances that cause the phenomenal craving, right? So if I got to go dig into different spiritual things, I got stuff all over the place. I practice whatever it is. I got, you know, Jesus stuff in the back, Buddhist stuff in the front, you know, just go after it and get to the bottom, get to the bottom of whatever it is that's at the bottom. 
You know what I mean? But what I do know is that we'll get there and there'll still be more digging. At some point in time, we have to realize we are who we are. We are where we're at. We have this merciless condition. As long as I don't put it in my system, I got a shot. I got a shot of resolving any of the things that are unresolved, right? I always go back to the thing, like the unconditional, uh, all-inclusive love of the God of our understanding, man. Like it's just, it, it, you know, it, it, like there's nothing threatened. There's nothing threatened. If I could just absorb it, the only way I can feel it, the only way I can get it is if I'm free of those, those substances that cause the phenomenal craving. And I'm not saying free of addiction. I have plenty of addictions, right? Coffee, meditation, sex, all those things. You know, I'm not, not so, well, you know what I mean? I still have lots of things that give me ease and comfort that I go to. They just don't give me the phenomenon of craving. And I got no problem with it. No problem whatsoever. With that, I'll pass. All right. Um, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?